The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. This morning, I want to pull back again away from Genesis. Next week, we'll pick up in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. But there's a message that I think it's a timely message for all of us to think about and dwell on. And I've entitled today's message, Anxiety, a Gnawing Rat. Let me ask you what these four phrases have in common. Don't sweat the small stuff and it's... Let me try that again. That's where you participate, okay? (laughs) Don't sweat the small stuff and it is all... Don't make a mountain out of a... Hey, you're catching on. Pick your, it's not a hill to, and here's one of my favorite one. I think this is a JMOism. When you're up to your tail and alligators, it is not the time to turn around and ask who drained the pond. You got to think about that one a minute, right? You get the word picture in your mind? You see, all of these statements have to do about things that cause us anxiety or worry. I love the way David started Psalm 37, and he repeats this phrase four times in this psalm. But he starts out, depending on what translation you read, he starts out by saying, fret not. That word fret is not a word that we use very often today, but I can remember my dad saying so many times, just don't fret it. David goes on to say that when we fret stuff, it only causes or adds more trouble to our life. When you you read this psalm, he kind of concludes the psalm In verse 25, somewhere around there saying, I have lived a long life. I'm old now. Once I was young, I've been through a lot of different situations. I've been through a lot of trials, but I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. In other words, as he's looking back through his life and things that cause us fret, cause us anxiety, cause us to worry, When he looks back through his life, he has seen God's hand in deliverance in every situation. And he uses a phrase, but I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. There's another word that he uses a few times in that psalm, and that's trust. And so he can take those two. He's drawing a contrast in Psalm 37 in that we can either fret over life, fret over situations, worry about what might happen... Or we can trust God and His sovereignty over all of creation. That word that's translated fret, it's, it's the Hebrew word that, that is kara. And that word kara in the Hebrew means that it's a, it's a gnawing, warm sense or blazing up in one's stomach. Hence the rat. The word that we use in our English today, fret, comes from an old Latin word, freton. You ever say that with me? Freton. That's as bad as Nicaragua, huh? <laughs> and, and that word carries the idea of, of devour or 
to eat at, to, to gnaw into something. And when you put these two words together, and as David's writing in Psalm 37, it might be paraphrased something like this. Listen, don't fret everything or be anxious about what you don't even know is going to happen, but what you've imagined today might happen in response to the current situation. And isn't that usually what we worry about or we are anxious about or we're fretful about is what we might think will happen, right? It's kind of that sky is falling thing. I'm old now, and I've realized that as I look back through life, David says, God is in absolute control, and God will take care of those matters that you have absolutely no control over, and we entrust it into God's hands. This idea of anxiety, there are a number of verses that are used to to encourage us not to have anxiety. Let me start by saying this. I'm going to straighten this carpet out because some of you are OCD and you will not hear a thing I say the rest of the day. Brian says thank you. ADD. Brian has all of them. Steve, you might want to make an appointment with him after today. Jesus uses this word in, in reference to when he's talking about the parable of the, of the sower and the seed. Remember, there are four types of soil. And the seed is the word of God that goes out. Now, we typically put this in application of hearing the gospel and someone turns away from the gospel. But can I remind you that the seed is the word of God and it applies in every situation. And Jesus says there are some soils, some hearts, that because of the anxieties and the cares of this world, the word is snuffed out. Paul uses this phrase in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, talking of his own life. So this is something that Paul dealt with a while. He says, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. <laughs> I find it interesting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, though, as his kind of antidote to that statement, he says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then I love what he follows that statement. Don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication, taking those anxieties or those worries or those concerns to God and giving them to him. And then he says, and the peace of God will transcend your hearts and your mind. I was talking to somebody this week, and I can't remember who it was, but they made the statement, you know, the battleground is really in the mind, isn't it? And Paul says that, that, that we're not to be anxious or not be carried away by anxiety, but we present those things to God, and when we lay them at His feet and recognize that He is a loving God, He's a sovereign God, He's an all-powerful God, then the peace of God will transcend our hearts and our minds. 
I love what Peter says, that that we're to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think I've explained this illustration before, but just for reminders, that that word, word when he says cast your anxieties on him, what he's saying is hurl your anxieties on him because he's capable of carrying them for you. It's that picture of, remember when the garbage collector came and they used to physically pick up your garbage? And they would get out of the truck and they would take that garbage bag and that garbage can and with no concern whatsoever, they would hurl that garbage bag and 10% of it made it into the truck. The other 90% you had to come and pick up for next week, right? And we're to hurl or cast our anxieties on him. Last one. I love this. I love this. Remember the story of Martha and Mary? Martha's running around. She is really over the top. Maybe you know somebody. Husbands don't nudge your wives. But cared about all the little things, all the little preparations because Jesus was coming to have a meal with them. And and Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet. And can I paraphrase what Martha would say? Mary, get off your rear end and help me. Can't you see I'm doing all the work? And Jesus says to her, He repeats her name twice. There's significance in that. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Can I put in parentheses that don't mean a hill of beans? (laughs) Martha, Martha, you're anxious about many things. Now, here's the truth. You and I cannot guard against having anxiety. You see, anxiety is an emotion to a situation. And so if I stood here this morning and said what Jesus is saying is that you should never have anxiety, that wouldn't be the truth. What he's he's communicating to us as we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25 is that when you have anxiety, when you feel those senses of anxiety, there is a response that he has provided a way so that we may not be governed by those anxieties. Does that make sense? And so when you feel those triggers coming on in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, I think there are six things that Jesus gives us here. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on each thing, though I promise you that. You know, the old homiletics classes tells us, they tell us three points, right? Three points, a funny story in the middle, an application, and then go home. Today we're going to do six. But I want us to see these six things that, that Jesus kind of lays out here in the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 25. Jesus says, first, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or about life. You can put in that, do not worry about life, don't fret about life, don't be overwhelmed about your life of what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body of what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And what Jesus is pointing out to us here is that we are driven to be concerned about where's the food coming from, where are the clothes coming from, or am I getting the right clothes that I'd look appropriate within the context of my friends, am I wearing the right tennis shoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've gotten to the age that I don't care anymore. Anybody say amen to that? I asked my wife in the lobby, did I color coordinate, did I match today? 
She stood back and she said, hmm. And then he asked this question to cause us to think. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, when you, when you take all of life and what God has intended in giving the gift of life and the pleasures of life, we somehow get our contentment or our happiness out of those those external things that really don't matter at the end of the day. And he's saying, listen, think about life. And isn't it more important than those things that you're going to give away next year because they're not in fashion today, right? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's a question. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who are unsaved, those who don't have a relationship to God and don't walk in faith with God for they seek after all these things but your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient today or its own troubles. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we look at these brief six things that you speak to us, I pray that the Holy Spirit, God, would, Lord, remind us of these truths, God, that today whatever anxieties we came into this building with, God, whatever anxieties people that are engaging online may have today, oh, God, I pray that you would flood them with the sense of your sovereignty and the reality and the fact that, God, you are in absolute control and we can trust you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Look what he says in verse 25 again. The implication here that Jesus has given is, is not life more important than food and the body and the mere clothing? Why are you so concerned about that that you need, that you think you need today, when in actuality you really don't need it? We spend so much time, it seems, and so much mental energy worried about obtaining material things and then trying to maintain material things and then try to hold on to material things. And we miss the whole view and the whole orb of what God has intended life for us to be. And so the point here is that 
Isn't life far more important than those things? Think of your things today. Let me put it this way. Think of the things that you have had in the past that at the time when you got that thing, you just knew you had to have that thing, and now you're hoping you get $5 for it at a yard sale. And we can get caught up and worried about obtaining these things. We can add to our labor in order to obtain those things. And and what Jesus is pointing us to, that life, and more specifically, our life and our walk with Him is far greater than these things because what He calls us to is an eternal perspective and not a temporal perspective. And so don't worry about those things. Don't be anxious about them. The second thing he says here is that that look at the birds. Are you not more valuable than they are? They don't flit around, flutter around trying to store up for something that may not even take place. I learned just two weeks ago of an individual who'd retired early in his 60s. He was set. He had a great 401k, and he lived one month after he'd retired. It labored. Now, I'm not saying that it's not good to store up. I'm not saying that it's not good to say. But our hope is not placed, cannot be placed in that. Here today and gone when? You're more valuable than they are. Now, sometimes we get the idea of, of our value to God based on what we can bring to the table in our relationship to God. Can I tell you that there's absolutely nothing that you and I brought to the table in our relationship to God? He doesn't value you. He doesn't value me based on what our talents might be. He doesn't value you. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't esteem you any higher than by what works you can do for him because as if some way he really needed you to do that work, right? His value of us is not based on those things that we strive after in life, sometimes placing more prominence on them rather than recognizing that he has created us in his image and by that he's our creator and we're of incredible value to him. He doesn't value you as, or me as a believer by how rapidly we have grown spiritually or how many Bible studies we've done or if we carry the right book, if we go to the right church, if we attend the right services. No, all of that are a response to our salvation in Him. But He has valued us in that He was willing to send His Son to die on the cross so that we might have a relationship to Him. Here's Webster's definition of of worth. It is the worth of something compared to the price paid. So if we think about our worth, are we not more valuable than the birds of the air, contrary to what Peter might say, right? You see, we were created in his image. They weren't. We're the only thing that was created to have relationship to Him in all of His creation. 
And, and Webster says that, that when we talk about worth, that very word worth, our value to him, is based on something compared to the price that was paid. I don't know about you, but as I read my Bible, I realize that Jesus didn't pay a price for anything other than you and I. Very similar to it, he talks in verses 28 and 30 about, about the grass. Look, look at the grass. It's clothed, it's here today, but, but tomorrow it's gone. And in comparison, isn't your life far more valuable to him? Therefore, don't be anxious about those things. He causes us to consider, consider the lilies of the field. I love daylilies. Donna loves daylilies. Linda loves daylilies. How many of you love daylilies? You know the thing about daylilies is that, you know why they call them daylilies? Because the bloom lasts one day. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. Now, the great thing about daylilies is that certain varieties produce beautiful blooms the next day. But, but I, I watch my daylilies. I like walking in the yard in the spring and the summer and looking at my daylilies. I know I live a boring life. But I love looking at the beauty of them and, and the splendor of them and realizing that God has created that. But it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. He says, that which I've created is far more splendid than all of the regalia that Solomon could have been dressed in. And if I care about those, don't, don't you think that I care about you? And what he's calling us to is to look not in a day-to-day vision of life, but an eternal perspective of life. You see, I find this to be true in my life. That if I look at life on a day-to-day, instance-by-instant line, then it creates or can usher in more worry or concern about what tomorrow might be. But if I look at it in the perspective of eternity, I realize that sometimes these things, while as big as they may seem in my mind, are very, very small in compared to eternity. And the hope that you and I have in Christ is that this life is not all there is, but there's an eternity with Him that He's prepared for us. The third thing I want us to look at is in verse 27. Jesus says that, listen, Worry is pointless. And, and can, has worry ever added one more hour to your life? Well, the right answer would be, I don't know. <laughs> but can I give you the correct answer to that? The fact is, not only will worry not or anxiety not add another hour to your life, but we have all kinds of science that's proven now that anxiety and stress is probably the number one killer that we have in our nation. They call it the silent killer. So not only will anxiety or worry not add anything to our lives, it will actually, in effect, diminish our lifespan. 
It's been proven that as a result of anxiety or worry that our chances are far greater into relying on other things to comfort us in that anxiety, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol, or whether it be might some other, some other substance, it's been proven that anxiety is what leads to many of those destructive behaviors and things that we add in our lives that ultimately shorten our life. You know what the greatest contributor to, uh, to um, type 2 diabetes is? I'm not picking on anybody. We know that we can change it or if it's effects by, by diet, but the number one contributor is anxiety and stress and worry. That's what the scientists tell us. And so here Jesus is is giving us another option, if you will, and that option is to recognize that, that He is in absolute control and it causes us to ask the question, God, am I trusting you in this circumstance? You know, we live in this fast-paced 21st century. I found, my, I found myself this last week. I, I was a little which is rare, but I was kind of a little bored. I think actually I had so many things to do that I was overwhelmed and I didn't know where to start. And, and so I started, I grabbed my, my iPhone and I, I checked my, my Yahoo email account. I checked my at me account. I checked my church email account. I checked Facebook Messenger, and then I went onto the news feed on Facebook to scroll through, and about 30 seconds later, I went back to my Yahoo email account. I went back to my me account. I went back to my church email account. Oh, and by the way, now I have a new account with the seminary, and I checked my messenger again. And what I found myself doing was getting so overwhelmed and anxious over all of these things. And we have communication coming to us at so many different directions and so many places. Sandy and I have made the decision, especially now that, you know, news is a four-letter word in our house. Because I find the more that I feed on it, which, by the way, if they don't feed you what draws you in, their ratings go down, and so they will feed you what may even be a lie. But it's the way they get their revenue. It's the way they get their money. And let's not forget about YouTube, right? I I don't use Instagram. I don't use TikTok. And I don't use Snapchat. And are there more now? Probably. My encouragement is this, and and this is based on reality, guys. The, The more of this that we bring into our lives, into our brain, into our minds, it recesses in our heart. By the way, not of it's all, I'm going to say this again, not of it is all true, right? But what do you find it doing in your life? Creating more anxiety, more worry, more concern over matters that you and I have zero control over. So Jesus commends us again. He says, listen, this anxiety, this worry, it can't add a single moment to your life. As a matter of fact, it'll, it'll lead to greater suffering. 
verse 32, he, he speaks to the believer. And he says, listen, when you, when you look at the Gentiles, they live this way. But you're a believer. Now, th- there's something in that that he's wanting to tell us. And, and what he's communicating to us in that is that when we are consumed by anxiety and we go off on all of these anxious things, we are acting just like the pagans because the pagans do not worship a God that is true. The pagans don't worship a God that is absolute. The pagans don't worship the God. And you know who the God is. So where's your trust going to be, J-Mo? Is it going to be in the same place that the pagans place their trust? Or is it going to be in me, who is the God of all the universe, creator and sustainer of all? Next thing, he in the last part of that, he, he knows your needs. Verse 32b, before you even ask, he already knows what your needs are. By the way, parentheses, I'm glad he hasn't given me some things I thought I needed. <laughs> Say amen to that. So whether that need is in giving or that need is in withholding, God knows exactly what we need. The last thing is this. When we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness... All that we need will be added to us, verse 33. What's he saying there? He's saying to us, guys, gals, the priority in your life needs to be to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And, And as we are pursuing that, he says all of those things that we need will be added to us. And so when we look at the the completeness of a 24-hour day, the the question is is this, where's my focus? Is my focus in a job that, that, man, if I can only gain more and more promotion and and, and elevation, will I someday attain all that, that, that I'm looking for to finally retire and die a month later with a good 401K? His kids were happy. Some value to that, right? Is is my focus being being drawn to, to, to matters that that are in God's hands, in my nation, in my family? In my church, in my community, or my focus, and, and, and that was just causing me anxiety. Is it drawn to that, or do I have a perspective that God, I'm looking for your kingdom and your kingdom principles to be applied? Help me to apply those principles in this situation and leave the results up to you. That's what he's calling us to. And then he concludes it with this, and I love this statement. Today, don't be anxious about tomorrow because today has enough troubles of its own. Let me conclude by saying this. 
most of what I find in my life that I get worried or anxious about, and when people share with me things that they're anxious or concerned about, what I recognize is that our concern so often is over matters that we really have no control over. And what that causes you and I to have to do is to place our trust in Him. Folks, He is God. He is God Almighty. Full of grace and truth and love. Mercy that never ends. He is mercy, meaning that that when we call on Him, His mercy is what drives Him to have compassion in our situation. And He meets us where we are and provides every need, whether it be emotionally, spiritually, or physically. Paul said, we move and breathe and live in Him. Amen? So what's the takeaway? What's the application this morning? The application is this. When you look back just even in the last week, and, and, and those things that have caused you anxiety or worry, or if you look back in the last three months, or if you look back in the last 10 months, 12 months, 2 years, don't misunderstand again. It, it's not that he's saying that, that we're not going to have that emotion of anxiety. But the question is, am I allowing my life to be governed, controlled by those matters? Or am I allowing my life to be controlled and governed by being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and placing my trust in Him and His graces? That's a question that we would need to ask our closing. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.